y'all. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 137. It's so sad that Halloween's over. It really is. This is like the day after Christmas when it's like, well, yeah, what it look like. <laughs> it's like all the, it's like, where did all the fun go? Womp womp. Well, the day after Christmas, I'm usually still off work, so I'm all right. But you know what I mean, though. It's yeah. Like, it's like, now what? Yeah. Halloween's done. Costumes are put up. Decorations are coming down. Yep. I mean, I am putting up my Thanksgiving decorations, but, you know. She's the only person I know who has Thanksgiving decorations, and I'm going to be putting out my Christmas decorations, and apparently that's a controversial topic. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. You're either one of those people that you put out your Christmas decorations as soon as Halloween's over, or you wait until after Thanksgiving. And I am a day after Thanksgiving type of gal. Yeah, I am a after Halloween type of gal. And leave it up until when? After the New Year's. Well, um, last year it was um, July of this year. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. You know. Yeah. Christmas cheer. Year round. I mean, there is a thing called Christmas in July, but uh, we took it to the extreme. <laughs> I mean, I'll leave my tree up and make it like a Mardi Gras tree. And when yeah. Mardi Gras is in March, that really does feel like I leave it up year-round. But you really did. I really did. I really did. It was just a pencil tree, but, uh, yeah. All right. Um, you know, I always have some recommendations. Uh, season two of Dr. Death has started. Really good podcast. First season got me real turnt. This season seems like it's going to be even better. Like, even better in a bad way. You know what I mean? Right. Helen Gone, season three is out. Love that podcast. Give that a listen. And then on Netflix, I binged The Queen's Gambit. And it's about chess. Loved it. It's like a period piece. The other night, Colby and I finally watched the animated Adams Family movie. And it was so freaking cute. Really? Like, I laughed out loud a couple of times. And he did, too. Yeah. It was really good. Huh. You know who has watched and listened to some crazy stuff? Who? The people on Patreon. Very true. Very true. This month. So, thank you so much, Jackie F. from Michigan. Willow B. from Arizona. Christy C. from Virginia. Erica S. from Oregon. Marsha U. from Missouri. Brittany J. from North Carolina. Corey L. from Hawaii. And Misty J. from Ohio. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon, and if you want an episode shout-out, head on over to patreon.com slash theapcpodcast. I just want to preface my story today with a disclaimer. It is a very heavy story, and my story this week might not be for all listeners. So, trigger warning, it involves children, it involves abuse, and it involves murder. There is some pretty gory detail, so please skip forward and just listen to Donna's. Picture it. Detroit, Michigan, March 2015. So, not that long ago. Police get called to a townhouse that is in the Martin Luther King apartment complex that is part of the city's housing projects. They get called to apartment number 804. They get a call because the tenant was... Over $2,000 behind on rent and was being evicted. 
That tenant's name was Michelle Blair. Michelle is spelled M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-E. And I've heard it pronounced both ways, but from what I can gather from the court recordings, it's Michelle. So that's the pronunciation we'll go with. Uh, y'all, I vaguely remember hearing this on a different podcast, and I I don't turn off a lot of podcasts. But like, seriously, if you have an issue with kids and and abuse happening to kids, really skip this one because it's it's heavy. Like Carrie's not exaggerating. It's it's really heavy. Michelle was living in the apartment with her four kids. I have only been able to find three of their names. I think that because one of them was 17 when basically all this went down and she wasn't the focus of this case. So I think that that's why her name remained private. But the other three kids were 13-year-old Stephen Barry, 9-year-old Stoney Blair, and 8-year-old Matthew Blair. So like I said, Michelle was thousands of dollars behind on rent and was being evicted. What would happen when someone was evicted is they would get a notice and then in the day or so before the actual eviction occurred, they would drop off dumpsters because that's what they would unload all the the things that were in the house into. So Michelle had gotten her eviction notice and the dumpsters had been delivered so she knew that it was coming. She took her oldest and her youngest child with her when she went to one of her friend's apartments who lived in the same housing complex. When she got there, she told her friend, hey, I'm just bringing the unnamed female and Matthew with me because Stephen and Stoney were at their aunt's house. The neighbor didn't think anything of it because Stephen and Stoney spent a lot of time at their aunt's house and so she hadn't seen them in a while because even when they weren't at their aunt's house, according to Michelle, they liked to kind of stay inside to do their own thing. All of the kids were homeschooled, and so it wasn't uncommon that they didn't see Stoney and Stephen. When the crew got there to do the eviction, they knocked on the door. There was no answer, so they gained entry themselves. And when they got in, the apartment was disgusting. I mean, it wasn't Pazuzu level, but it was bad. The people who were there cleaning it said it was almost uninhabitable. There was just trash and food and clothing all over the floor. And they're starting to clean it out, get out the furniture and all of that when they get to a freezer. And when they open the freezer, they find a body. So they, of course, stop and call 911 and say, hey, you know, we got a body here. We don't know what's going on. Can you come check it out? When police get there, they realize that it's not one body. It's two bodies. And it is not an adult. The bodies are identified as 13-year-old Stephen and 9-year-old Stoney. Now police are looking for Michelle. Where has she gone? What's going on? Why are these bodies here? When word gets out about the two children's bodies in the freezer, the neighbors turn on Michelle and immediately call police and say, Hey, this is where she is. She was hiding out because she told the neighbors that she didn't want her kids to be present when she was getting evicted. But you know that she knew as soon as she got evicted, they were going to find out what was in that freezer. That's so strange that she didn't leave. I don't know that she had the means to. But 
it's strange that she didn't get rid of the bodies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When police find her, they initially arrest her on first-degree child abuse, which carries with it a 15-year sentence, because they didn't know exactly what had happened to the bodies at that point. They didn't know if it was murder, if it was an accident, and she panicked, and she put them in the freezer because she didn't want to get in trouble. They didn't know what had happened yet, and so they just arrested her on child abuse pending an autopsy. This is where the story gets a bit more gruesome. They had to wait. In some cases, it said two. In some cases, it said three. But two to three days to be able to perform the autopsy on the children because they had to wait on the bodies to thaw. And the bodies of Stephen and Stoney painted a picture of years of abuse. They found scars that had been there for a while, many different intentional burns from cigarettes, irons, that kind of thing. While the autopsy is going on, the police are, of course, looking into the family to see what they could find. And they did find that Child Protective Services had done an investigation from the years 2002 to 2005 with two different instances of reported abuse. In 2002, an abuse complaint was sent in because burns were seen on the hands of both of the daughters. From there, we're not really sure what happened with the case against her in 2002. We do know that in 2005, a family friend was helping to bathe the daughters when they found numerous scars on their backs. Social services was called again. There was never a petition to remove the kids from custody, and Michelle was ordered to therapy. During the autopsy, they found that Stoney's arm had been broken at some point in her life, and it never got any medical attention. Stoney had, quote, freshly carved out tissue on her right shoulder. They said that they believed this was caused by some sort of caustic substance being poured on a wound. Totally had to look up what that word meant. That just means something that's able to burn or erode the skin. Like cauterizing the wound? Maybe. I don't know. And I'll tell you why. I'm not sure later. Both of Stoney's ears had, quote, extensive loss of tissue. And the medical examiner didn't know what caused it. But in their educated hypothesis, for lack of a better word, said it looked like almost looked like they were chewed off. It said that wherever you looked, there was some sort of scar, ulceration, a burn, or a blow. Both Stoney and Stephen had scarring on the inside of their mouths, and that was from being slapped and punched over and over and over. They both had chipped teeth and were severely malnourished. At the time of Stoney's death, she was so malnourished that her body was literally consuming itself for energy. She only had five millimeters of fat padding on her stomach. Again, I know that these details are so gruesome, but I really do feel like these children's story needs to be told. Definitely. And it's sad that they are dead, but like you reading all of this, it's like, yeah, they're dead, but what they had to endure while they were living is mind-blowing. 
and shows how strong these children were. And I don't think of sharing these details as like we're relishing in the ooh, the gory details. I think it's recognizing the monsters that we have literally walking among us. Definitely. The medical examiner said that it was probably a series of blow to both of their heads that was the cause of death. But how many blows, he wasn't sure. He said that there were so many scars and wounds on the scalp that they started to blend into one another. Like, all of this sounds inhumane to do to an animal, but this was done to kids. To her children. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Burns were a big part of Stephen's death. He had many, many burns, scars, and they left distinct parallel rows on his stomach, back, and buttocks. Again, to quote the medical examiner, the most striking burn was in the genital region. There were second and third degree burns around his genitals and anus. Here's the thing with how in the hell did she get away with this for so long? Well, like I said, the kids were homeschooled, quote unquote, homeschooled. So there's no one to miss them at school. There's no one to be checking in or to see the burns on them when they're washing their hands or doing their schoolwork at their desk or a peer touches them and they wince. You know, there's none of that because they're not going to school. The other thing is that with Stoney and Stephen, Michelle always said that they were at an aunt's house and that when they were home, they didn't like to go outside. And why would people question this? And they hadn't seen them in like two years. So it's like, okay. And their fathers weren't in the picture. Michelle had kids with two different men and each of them were the father of two kids. Neither one of the men had had contact with their kids in over two years. And she had actually taken them to court because they both owed tens of thousands of dollars in child support. I think one of them I heard owed like twenty nine or thirty thousand dollars in back child support. So they were unemployed and they weren't involved in the kids' lives at all. Michelle herself was unemployed and was existing solely off of government assistance. The two surviving children, Matthew and the unnamed girl, were both taken into protective custody. There was some back and forth about whether or not to take away parental rights from the fathers, but one of the judges actually decided to leave their parental rights because it actually guaranteed that the kids would get benefits until they were 20 or 21 instead of 19 or 18. So basically, they got another year, maybe even two, out of the system, meaning that they could get help with counseling. They could get help to go to college. They could get help for food, housing, all of the things. Because, you know, kids here in the States, when they become 18, 19, they age out of the system. Then what happens to them? If they've been floating around in foster care for 18 years, and then they have no life skills, they have, just because of the circumstances that they were raised in, they haven't been taught those things. They've lived in places that their laundry was done for them. They've never had a checkbook or, you know, what have you. They haven't been taught those life skills. So there are systems in place, albeit not enough for each person, nor is it enough of support period, but to help them transition out of the foster care system. And so by not terminating 
their parental rights, it allowed them more time to transition out of the system. So really, it was the best thing they could have done for them in this horrible situation. That, to me, was just one small glimmer of hope that although the system had failed these kids over and over and over again, it did right by them just for that moment. Yeah. Now, the two surviving children were not spared from the abuse. When they were taken into protective custody, they, of course, took them to a hospital to examine them. The surviving girl told counselors that her mother had burned her back with a curling iron and she had a cut over her eye and she said that that was from her mother hitting her with a plank of wood. Not only did Michelle burn her back with a curling iron, she also hit her in the mouth with it and that is how her tooth was chipped. Now Matthew, Matthew had 25 scars and injuries on his back, both old and new from the abuse he sustained by Michelle. There were long loop-shaped scars on their bodies that were consistent with them being beaten with an extension cord. You fucking know that hurt. I cannot even imagine. Oh my gosh. So Michelle was getting almost $800 a month in assistance with Medicaid, which in the States is essentially socialized medicine, but for mostly people below the poverty line, or if you have some sort of chronic illness that you can't afford health insurance. Mostly it's children on it, though. But she was getting Medicaid and food stamps and that sort of thing, and it was over almost $800 a month. And she was still getting assistance for the two kids that she had murdered in a fucking freezer. She was still getting assistance for them even though she had murdered. I mean, but but why wouldn't she, though? You know, it's like she's got to keep up the facade that they're just at their aunt's or they're just here. You know, what's she going to do? Report them dead? So while it's like, that bitch fucking stealing. Well, she killed her kids. Like, you know, I found myself getting so mad at that. And I think that's more of like an American idea of like, she was stealing from the government, you know, but it's like, no, she killed her kids. That's the fucking takeaway, Donna. I pulled a Donna. I was focusing <laughs> on the most insignificant thing. <laughs> Once the autopsy was done, and police obviously knew for sure that the children were murdered, that's when they were able to move to charge Michelle with first-degree murder for the kids. Michelle never denied anything. She confessed over and over and over again. But the court system was doing its due diligence because they didn't want her in a year, five years, whatever, to appeal this and say, I didn't know what I was pleading guilty to. And so they did everything that they could to ensure that she wouldn't be able to do that down the road. They had multiple different experts interview her, make sure that she was competent to stand trial and to make the decision to submit a guilty plea. From one thing that I I heard her say, they said, they asked her, do you know that by pleading guilty, it's a life in prison? She's like, yes. And they say, you do realize that Michigan doesn't have the death penalty? And she's like, I do now. So, you know, they just were making sure that she knew all the moving parts so that she couldn't come back and say ineffective counsel or any of the things and get the fuck out of this because that is the last thing that we want. 
she had some, I wouldn't even say confrontations, but there's a lot of audio recording on this because again, it happened in 2015 that the bodies were found. So there's a lot of technology, obviously. And so there's a lot of good audio on the whole thing. But in one instance, she's telling the judge, like, look, I am pleading guilty to this. I did this. I have no remorse. I did this. And I want this to be over with. I'm telling you I did it. And he's like, look, we've gotten all but one of the reports back. We're just waiting on this. This carries some heavy consequences with it. And she's like, I know. And he's like, look, just bear with me. We're just waiting on one more report. And then you can plead guilty. When they got the final report saying, yes, she is competent to stand trial and or submit a guilty plea, they had a hearing where she told her story because they had to hear it from her. You can find video of this on YouTube if you want to watch the whole thing. I'm going to read you parts of it because it is her explanation of what happened and why. We'll talk about believing it or not believing it, that kind of thing, later. But if you want to hear the whole thing, all you have to do is look up Michelle Blair's testimony, Michelle Blair's confession, any of that, and it will pop up on YouTube for you to watch. It's like 25 minutes. You can watch the whole thing. It did take me a little bit to find the transcript, like, typed out. I mean, hello, transcript. Because one of the news articles it kept sending me to was, like, an error, 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 you know. But I finally, I did finally find the transcript of it. Michelle is telling the judge that she killed her children intentionally. And she says this. I'm just going to read you this because I, I can't. I just got to read it. She says, um, starting from the beginning, when I found out about what Stoney was doing to blank, it was nine months later after finding out about Stephen. So in this situation, the blank is referring to Matthew. In the audio versions, she does say Matthew, but we never hear the oldest girl's name. Matthew at the time of this was eight. She says, the whole nine months we were in the house, she was still raping my child. So what she's saying is that Stoney and Stephen were raping Matthew. She said that she was so enraged that she took a minute because she couldn't understand And she was so enraged that she just started punching her and repeatedly punching her. She would ask Matthew to tell her everything. And when he would tell her, he would slowly give her more and more detail. And every time she heard more detail, it would anger her so much that she would, in her words, I assaulted her every time. And she says, by assault, I mean, I punched her. I put a bag over her head until she lost consciousness. I threw hot water on her, scalding hot water from the faucet. And that's what, when you ask that about, is it like cauterizing a wound? That's why I I said, I don't know, because she put hot water on them. So that's what I think it was talking about. She goes on to talk about how she hit Stoney on the head multiple times over and over with a wooden stick. She stomped on her. She kicked her in her tailbone. And she's just so callous telling it. So the judge asks her, okay, I just want to clarify a few things. Perhaps you don't know, but did it happen on or about May 25th, 2014, to the best of your recollection? 
And she says, May 25th is the actual date she died. She says, was the day I killed her. And the judge says, and you said you killed her by putting a grocery bag over her head? And she says, yes. Um, that day, Matthew would tell me different things because she was doing this to him for years. And I did not know that. You get what I'm saying? And I didn't find out until nine months later she had started with Stephen. This detail, it's so specific that I don't know. I guess we're going to have to touch on this here. I don't know what I believe. I find it hard to believe that the 13 and the 9-year-old were assaulting the 8-year-old. And the 17-year-old lived there and did nothing about it. But on the other hand, who knows what they had been exposed to as far as sexual abuse and that sort of thing. Because a 9-year-old kid, that was Stoney's age. And the way Michelle describes it, Stoney's the ringleader. And a 9-year-old doesn't know how to rape and sexually assault someone else. They know how to do that if they've been exposed to it. That's so true. So we do know that Michelle had a history of sexual assault in her past. And she was very, from what I understand, open with her kids about if someone does something inappropriate to you, you fucking tell me. So I don't know if that had happened in front of the kids. I don't know if the kids had been sexually assaulted by someone else in the past. But a nine-year-old doesn't just sexually assault someone. If she did it. I don't know. But some of Michelle's details are either so specific that it has to be true or did it maybe even happen to her? I don't know. But this next detail, it was almost too much for me. She said that Matthew told her how Stoney would take her menstrual pad and squeeze her blood into his mouth. Oh, my gosh. That's what I'm talking about, about how specific that is. I just don't know. And even if it is true, does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. Because here's the thing. Children know what they've been taught, for the most part. I mean, I'm not saying that a kid can't go fucking rogue. So if they were exposed to it, that kid needs help. Yeah. Not to be beaten to death. Yeah. Because... They could be saved. You know, like they could be helped. I hate to use the word saved, but you get what I mean. Like they, yeah. through the proper counseling and treatments, they may not go on to continue to be sex offenders and that sort of thing. You know, yeah. if it was some sort of a trauma response, I mean, I don't know. Basically, she would have Stoney standing in the bathtub. She would be pouring hot water on her with Matthew standing right outside the door telling her everything that Stoney had done to him. Michelle goes on to say that Stoney not only raped Matthew, but the quote is, she not only raped him, but she gang raped him with Stephen. The judge asks her, did you ever actually see anything of any sexual abuse of any kind between either Stephen and Stoney and Matthew. Michelle responded and says, I reject her question, but I will answer it because no one will say this did not happen because it actually did. She said basically that she never saw it, but that they admitted it. Michelle says that initially Stoney was sexually assaulting Stephen and that allegedly Stoney would beat Stephen to keep him from telling, and then he became 
the predator instead of a victim. She said multiple times, she talked about, like, these people behind me asking these questions, they're trying to make it seem like it didn't happen. And the judge is like, no, 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 no. We just have to make sure the record's clear. So she was very defensive to be sure to say, like, no, this really happened. You're not going to make it sound like it didn't. Stephen was the first to die, well, to be murdered. He was murdered on August 30th, 2012. She said that she started punching Stephen because she had just found out about some assault on Matthew. She was questioning him and that allegedly he started telling her what he had done to Matthew. She said that she thought that Matthew was peeing the bed, but what happened, again, this is all allegedly what she said happened, that Stephen was waking up and actually going and peeing over Matthew and making it look like Matthew was peeing in the bed, but he was actually peeing on Matthew. So she said that allegedly Stephen would hold Matthew's face down into the nasty mattress and he wouldn't be able to breathe. And so in return, she put a belt around Stephen's neck and lifted him up basically to show him how it felt. And she did it until he lost consciousness. But then she started punching and kicking him and burning him with scalding hot water. She made him drink Windex. She says that she does not claim Stephen as her son. She doesn't claim Stoney as her daughter. She says she has two children. That's it. And Stephen and Stoney were demons. She says that she didn't mean to kill Stephen, but she knows that what she did caused his death. So she's not saying she didn't do it. She just says, I didn't mean to. But she says she meant to kill Stoney. She goes on to say while she didn't intentionally kill Stephen, she's proud of it. I think that that does it justice. I don't think that we need to really go into any more. Just to kind of wrap it up, she murdered both of them. She pled guilty. She was sentenced to multiple life sentences in prison. Since she has been in prison, she, last that I can find, is in a cell by herself in some sort of like segregation. Because two days after she got there, she was already getting in trouble. She had 28 misconducts that included throwing urine on officers and food through her slot. She threw a milk carton at an officer and was spitting on the other prisoners. On a lighter note, the surviving girl is finishing up high school and is in an independent living. And the youngest son, Matthew, has been adopted. And that was back in 2016. Golly. So they're getting the counseling that they need and they're doing their best to move on. Yeah. I know such a heavy one. Thank y'all for sticking around because again, I don't think that it's to me, this isn't like recounting these gory details just for like the fun of it. But these are details that I do like to know. Yeah. And I think that it one helps us understand people better and in a ways to help stop these people in the future and two stoney and steven deserve their story told definitely and it shouldn't not be told because it's gruesome right because i would tell you the autopsy report 
of someone else. Right. To me, it shows respect for the victims to say, you went through this and we're going to recognize it and do something about it. Yeah. Because we didn't in your life, we will in your death. Yeah. In a way, this reminds me of Gabriel Fernandez in California, I think. And that's on Netflix. It's like the whole case. But in his case, the caseworkers and stuff, they had like a lawsuit against them. Oh, shit. Because it's like negligence. Like, how could you go there and see him in this situation or like, hey, this living situation isn't up to par or, you know, like whatever. Is he the one that was kept in the cage? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was bad. But it's like, uh, how, how do you do that? And, and again, they have a hundred cases on their desk because they're overworked and all of that, but it's a life. Mm-hmm. And so just thinking about these two reports against her, like if something would have came out of that, mm-hmm. you know, all four of her kids could be different. Mm-hmm. I just hope that your story is not as heavy as this one. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. There's there's literally no way. N- right? No. All right. Have you ever heard of a new store opening and decided to go? And when you got there, you looked around and you didn't recognize that part of your city, even though you have lived there your whole life? Nope. Never happened. Really? Like, you don't recognize that part of the city? Like, that street. You're like, God, I didn't ever know this building existed. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Okay. Well, I thought you meant, like, it's like a place you go, and then you're like, what is this place? Well, I mean, it's... Kind of that? Well, it's kind of like when, you know, that night that we were all drinking, and the day after, and we went into Ward's, that local restaurant, and Mm -hmm. Tiffany was like, what is this place? Yeah. It's like that. It's been there the whole time. But she didn't recognize it. Well, that's because she was, I think, still drunk. We weren't. Don't drink and drive. No, no, we weren't. I don't know. But it's kind of like we all live in our own bubble. For sure. And I've done it a lot. I went with my mom yard selling, and she would take me down roads and subdivisions I never knew existed in our small town. Mm -hmm. Well, in February of this year, 2020... An app called Randonautica launched, and the purpose was to help people explore the world around them. Sounds like a great concept, except it's in your story. (laughs) Yeah, right? Well, because so many times we miss really cool details of our cities because of that comfort zone or that bubble, like I mentioned before. We get into a routine, and it's hard to break. Well, this app was designed with encouragement to explore in mind and the thought that people needed a push to break the routine and experience random adventures. It really took off due to COVID because it's something that people can do while social distancing. Mm -hmm. But then it gained even more popularity due to it being linked to a lot of creepy experiences people shared via TikTok. So yeah, my story isn't as emotionally heavy as yours at all, But it is kind of heavy in a cerebral sense. And you'll get what I mean in just a minute. But I want to say a lot of people have requested this or mentioned it in the group. But most recently, it was Amy L. and Sarah H. 
Randonautica is like geocaching meets law of attraction. You don't really find an item to keep like you do in geocaching, but you do find signs or answers to questions that you have. You experience emotions that you set forth to feel, that kind of thing. So, I mean, you do get something out of it usually. The law of attraction comes in with intentions. This is all about your intentions. The founder of the Randonautica app said that it's heavily inspired by the chaos theory. An example was given in an article on Bustle where a professor in the Department of Physics explained that this theory can best be understood by thinking about a swing. They said if you give a child on a swing a gentle initial push, you know how the pendulum motion would go. But if you had something even slightly more complicated, like pushing too hard or having two pivotal points instead of just one at the top, the system could go haywire. Essentially, a small change can set off a series of unpredictable effects. So like the butterfly effect, if you will. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are believers that we are living in a simulation. And so they think this is a tool to help achieve a glitch in the matrix. And this is done by throwing a random wrench in our daily routine and maybe making the simulation glitch. According to Randonautica's website, which has a creepy vibe to it as well, there's two main parts to randonauting, which is the verb of randonautica. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. One, you can explore what they call blind spots, which are places nearby that are outside of your conscious awareness. So again, like, hey, I never knew that Winn-Dixie was there. You know, whatever. I mean, do y'all have Winn-Dixies? And two, you can experiment with mind-matter interaction. Basically, come to your own conclusion if you believe your thoughts or intentions can influence the distribution of random numbers, which is what the app claims to use. Completely random numbers. Quantum random numbers, to be exact. Okay, I was wondering if it was quantum random numbers. Right. I'm like, um, I'm sorry. The only thing quantum I know is quantum leap. Exactly. And it's off the air since like the 90s. And just to highlight how random the numbers are, the Randonautica website says that it's comparable to dropping a piece of sand from the sky on a map. The app has no control over the coordinates that it shares with the user. Like totally random. But how random is it if it's within a certain distance, though? What they're saying is, like, yes, you put in your coordinates. For your parameters. Yes. You put in, like, okay, here's my zip code. And then you put in how far you're willing to travel. And then it's completely random after that. But then think about how many places it can tell you. Because it's oh, yeah, not for just, sure. like, destinations. It can be, like, a random road. It could be a pond. It, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. So, like I said, to start off, you set a distance and choose the type of location. And there's three. Attractor, void, and anomaly. Attractor is what it sounds like, a popular area. And to be specific, it's an area that has several clusters of, the word again, quantum points. 
Yeah, I was going to say, how does it decide, like, what's attraction in fucking rural Wyoming? Mm-hmm. See what I did there? Uh-huh. Well, I had to Google old quantum points, because, I mean, I don't know what they are. Me neither. I was totally fucking around when I said, oh, I was wondering if it was quantum whatever it was. Yeah. Random numbers or something. Yeah. Well, so in relations to this app, it means the set of random numbers that's converted into a coordinate location in your vicinity. And it pertains to the energy of that location as well. A void is, again, what it sounds like. Not a lot of energy there. It's got scarce quantum point distribution. But don't think of it as a negative thing, because it could mean that the location is void of the quantum points, but it has a better chance of being relevant towards your intention. And then the last one is anomaly. And this is between an attractor and a void. It's considered to be the strongest location you can visit. And if you have a specific mission or a specific answer and have a really strong sense of intuition, they say go for the anomaly. And really to lay it out, they say it's an area that's believed to have been influenced by human thought. It's the extreme of both the void and the attractor. Because again, I said the void isn't negative. It just means that it hasn't happened a lot. I told you, this is like kind of headspace kind of shit. Like, I still don't understand how the app is determining this, though. And like, how does this app decide energy? So they use some ANU. It's like Australian number, blah, blah, blah. Like it got that got too in the weeds for me with the number thing. But like, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's on the website. But I mean, this was a lot for me. Yeah. So, uh. I'm like, mm. I mean, my face is looking at you with like the eyebrow raise because like, I mean, I literally look like that gif with like the math problems above my head right now. Yes. And I don't understand the math. Yeah. Well, so after you set your location, say which one you want to go to, it's time to set your intention. And that's like the major part of this. So you need to speak your intention out loud and really focus on it while the app produces the coordinates, which is longitude and latitude made up from the random numbers. Your intention can be an emotion, color, a type of place, whatever. So once you've done that, you're off to your adventure to explore new places, experience new things, and hopefully find answers or intentions that you see. So I'm going to talk about some rando nodding that's normal and what everyone believes the app was intended for. Sarkat, a Reddit user, posted four months ago that their intention was a dog, and they ended up finding a stray. They used the attractor location, and the app led them down a gravel road that they didn't know existed, which again gave them the willies, you know, because again, like, holy shit, I've lived here and... Never knew this existed, but they didn't see anything, so they just kind of kept driving until there was a dog just sitting there. He came right up to him when they called, which made it obvious that someone had owned him prior to this, and the person had assumed that he had been dumped there no. because he was friendly but scrawny. No. Well, they ended up taking him home, but then to the vet to see if he was microchipped, and he was. So the vet's office kept the dog at their boarding kennel 
while they got in touch with the owners. So even though the user didn't end up keeping the dog, they might have saved the dog's life because it was like in the middle of this road. Yeah. And, you know, they were able to find him, remove him from this desolate area, and reunite him with his family. Oh. Another randonaut is a TikTok user named Hot Chip and Lie, and she had just decided about what college to attend. It was a tough thing because she was having to decide, like, my dream college or to give that up and go to state due to COVID and some other family issues. Well, to get some closure about her decision, she was like, hey, I'm going to go randonauting because it's a trendy thing to do anyway. But also her intent was closure. So she kept repeating that while it generated the coordinates and it led her to a field. There was a horse and so she's like walking closer to it like, I don't know what this is, but whatever. But then she stopped. Because she saw in the grass, there was a KU mode into it, like a fucking crop circle. And what was her decision? Kansas University. What the fuck? Right? So that was pretty much confirmation for her about her decision. Holy shit. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, she could have just been driving through and saw KU and said, Oh, let me make a TikTok. She could have. Because, I mean, you you could see it. Yeah. Then one user said that their intent was also closure. And they came across a field. And they were like, you know, I don't know. Well, they kept walking. And it was closure for their sister's death. They saw a huge, like, field of her birth flowers. They said that they had never seen them in real life, but they had had them tattooed on her in honor of her sister. And so, like, at that moment, she felt at peace. And so she got that closure. Reddit user IllustriousAD5059, their intention was spooky. Well, they got to a spot that really wasn't interesting. But they were like, you know what? I'm just going to keep kind of looking around Because, again, you know you want to find something. Well, they found a trail into the woods. They're braver than I am, so they walked the trail for a little bit, and they came across a gravesite for a dog named Faith. Then they kept going because they're like, well, I mean, that's not spooky. About a half a mile down the trail, they found a folded note, and it looked like someone had just passed it in the hall. Like, pristine condition. So, of course they read it. (laughs) Duh. Like, who wouldn't read it? Oh, correct. Right. The letter said, My friend, I am writing this to inform you of how amazing you really are and to tell you that you mean a lot to me. And I graciously think you are swell. (laughs) Tee-hee-hee. But really, thank you for everything. I am at a downtime in life and your strength and optimism are helping greatly. Your positivity helps me get past so many obstacles and I'm grateful for them all. Plus, you're pretty cute. I am very thankful you have returned and bring out the best in me and the best to me I always hope to be. You make me smile and happy. Yes, sometimes I get frustrated, but with all your great qualities, I look past it. Thank you for being my friend. And then it was signed, but they were kind of illegible. 
And it was like XOXO something, one, two, three. One of the names looked like Radar, like a nickname. So they're like, okay. Well, the user posted an update later and said, okay, this just got super fucking weird. They figured out the name at the bottom. And it was a man. They looked up the name and found an obituary. The guy died in June of 2020 in Spokane, Washington. And this was a note from him to his friend, obviously. And they said the weird thing is, though, it was fresh. And the guy died in June. And so when they found it, middle of woods, like Hansel and Gretel shit. Yeah. And it had been raining a lot. But again, pristine condition. So they did what any armchair detective does, and they looked at Facebook. So they reached out to someone on his Facebook profile because they had posted on his wall. Well, randomly, this person turned out to be his best friend. So they messaged her, and she was like, I think the note might be for me. And I wish he knew I loved him, too. And she said that he was depressed and he died by suicide on June 8th. So the user said, long story short, I'm fucking shook. She never got this letter. It's spooky in the sense of, what the fuck? Right. But it's also like a closure for people that this person doesn't even know. But again, going to this place had effects that you couldn't even think about having. It's almost like this app reminds you that there's all these, like, this is going to sound, like, hokey, but, like, cosmic forces of, like, these things just, like, floating out in space, just needing someone to find them. Yeah. And do them. Yeah. Well, Love It 62 said that she was looking for a sign. She had lost her son to an overdose in 2015. It was around his birthday. And so she set her intention of, where can I meet up with my son? And the place she ended up was this tiny, unmarked trail where there was a bench, isolated in the middle of the woods, and she said she sat down and just soaked up all the energy, and she was at peace. And it's like, again, it's a random place. It was a random bench. It could have been for anything. But, like, if you think about it, where can I go be with my son And it's this isolated area that you can clear your mind. That happens to have a bench. Yeah. Because who wants to stand up? Exactly. Because you can't clear your mind if you're standing up. No, my fucking legs get tired. My lower back gets tired. I just said, my back's hurting, my feet hurting, and my legs are tired. Yes. And I'm not sitting down on the ground. Hell no, because ants. It's going to be wet, first of all. (laughs) And then my pants are going to get wet. Of course you go to that. I'm like, ants. (laughs) I don't care how dry it is. The grass is always fucking dewy mm-hmm. and it's going to be wet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is that cold or are my pants wet? Mm-hmm. So now let's get on to some of the more odd or scary ones. Because, I mean, there's so many. You can go through. There's a whole subreddit completely dedicated to randonauting. How do you spell it? R-A-N-D-O-K-N-O-T-T-I-N-G? No. Okay. R-A-N-D-O-N-A-U. T-I-N-G. Okay. There was a Reddit user called CallMeDiane13, and they posted three months ago that their intention was a glitch. Like I mentioned, a lot of people want to find this. And they were looking for a sign to know if this reality we live in is, in fact, a simulation. 
Well, the coordinates took them to a spot with a cinder block wall that had, this is the sign you've been looking for, spray painted on it. And so it's just like, uh, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, give me a sign. Uh, this is the sign you've been looking for. Yeah, it's like a literal sign. (laughs) Yeah. Like, except for that didn't go to, like, the fucking graphics printer. Right? (laughs) There was a 16-year-old from Maine. Her name's Maddie. She was randonauting with her sister, and the coordinates took them to to the place where their grandfather was buried. And not just, like, the cemetery. Like, the longitude and latitude was his actual headstone. Holy shit. Yeah, and so she was like, you know, we don't visit his grave enough. And, like, I honestly think he was telling us, like, no, no, come visit. But, like, how random like because again you get the longitude latitude you can put it in google maps and so of course you can drive there and then get out and walk to that pin yeah and that's where the pin was that's crazy (laughs) but can you like fake the app like when people are sharing all of this can they be like oh look here's the pin that i'm screenshotting but they moved the pin i i'm sure i'm sure there's plenty of fake stuff But I don't, like, I don't know. That's what sucks. And that's why we can't have nice things. I know. People always gotta fucking lie. Yes. Well, there was a Reddit user named Wet Sacco Beans. And this person and two of their friends, completely sober, around midnight, they were like, okay, let's test out fight or flight reflex. Like, let's see what we have. You know there's three now? They say fight, flight, or freeze. I'm a freeze. I'm a depends. Well, poise, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But it really does depend on the situation. Yeah. I'm more of a freeze and flight, depending if it's, like, if someone else is there with me, like, if it's Marbu with me, of course, I go to that. Then I'm a motherfucking freeze fighter. I got to assess the situation. And they'd be like, okay. But if I'm by myself, I'd be like, freeze, and uh, and I, oop, out of here. <laughs> well, so this Reddit user said they all meditated on what situations would cause this and, like, really tried to hone in on, okay, like, we want to test this out. Give us something that would test this out. They generated a void point, and it was in the middle of an empty field. But it wasn't completely random because one of his friends actually grew up right next to that field, but didn't live there anymore. And they were like, no, no, no. This field always creeped me the fuck out. And so now, like, they're going. Again, I don't know if this is true, but apparently he had pictured that field when they were setting their intentions because it always creeped him out. And so then they showed up at that field. And he wouldn't know at first just with longitude and latitude. Right. You know, like, okay. I couldn't even tell you what my house longitude and latitude is. Right. I certainly can't remember which is which. I was going to say. I always go, longitudinal has long, so I think that one's horizontal. Yes, I'm the same way. But literally, I think it would be the same. Like, one is not longer than the other. Girl. If the earth is round. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't fucking understand math. (laughs) Same. What? What? You just did fractions on a thank you video, so. (laughs) I said, ooh, 
Fractions? How are they going to do this? I don't fucking know. You put a fraction in front of me, I'm done. I'm a freeze. (laughs) Done. So they hop the fence to this field. They get to that marker point. Nothing's really there. So they're like, let's just walk around a little bit. They said they got about 15 to 20 feet. And then it looked like crop circles. But they said it looked like just like burnouts from kids. You know, I mean, we all know what it looks like. But so it wasn't like crop circle designs. It was just like kids were doing like. Uh, donuts or whatever. Yeah. On four-wheelers or something. Right. And it, but it's just like, this is weird, you know? Also, I'd have been out as soon as I had to fucking jump a fence. But same. Well, they were stepping over the circles, and they got to the second circle, and they heard this horrible noise. And the user said they could only describe it between a snarl and a pig squeal. And their two friends, ready to book it. Like, <laughs> flight. We got it. But the other one was a fighter. So the writer's like, no, no, let's go and see what's going on. Like, something's making this sound. Well, no one could see what was making the sound. However, they all began to look in one direction in pure darkness. But they all were looking in that one direction. Like, they did this in the dark? Yes, at night. Uh Uh-uh, uh-uh. I was picturing daylight. Nope, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. What the fuck? Right? Well, then all they could make out was this white blob that was in the darkness. And it kind of got brighter. And they were like, "Mm mm-mm. Like, the more they tried to look at it, the more they couldn't look at it. It would get brighter. It would, you know, just, like, fuck with their eyes. Well, then it started kind of vibrating, like that blob of light. And then it started coming towards them. So they were like, turn and (laughs) ran. Flight. So the writer said they're very literal, tactile, like scientifically minded person, mostly atheist. And like, I don't really believe in anything I can't prove, but they can't say that this didn't happen. They're like, no, no, no. That was something unexplainable, but like, I saw it. Yeah. So a TikToker named McKenna Ray, she said that. She wanted to do something spooky, so she set her intention on death, okay? So her and a friend on their way to their location, and she looks out her window, and she sees someone is laying in the gutter. There's a woman with the man, and she's, like, cradling him, you know? And so they parked, got out, and long story short, the man was shot. So the wife was like frantic. She gave McKenna the phone. It was like, can you call 911? Like, blah, 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 blah. So she called 911. Her friend wrapped his jacket around the victim. And they were questioned when the police showed up. And I don't know what else happened. Well, I hope that she didn't will the universe to have this man shot. I hope he survived. Well, that's kind of like she... She kind of had, like, some remorse there. Like, if I set my intentions and it really did work, did I cause that? Yeah. But then you you can say I mean, like, you did. what are the odds? Yes. But you can't say you did. You know what I mean? So it's like, you but can't like, blame her for this. Correct. But it's also like, 
that's just fucking creepy. But like free will and all that. So yes, it's like, of course. It's just my favorite word, synchronicity. Mm-hmm. But probably the most notorious scary incident of TikTok is a user, Ugh, Henry, that's his name, and his friends. And this one, you know about. They were randonauting in Seattle. Their intent was travel. The coordinates took them to a beach, and they found a black suitcase. Do you not know any? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Well, they were joking that the suitcase might have some money. Like, ooh, a suitcase, travel. Then money, to travel. Like, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when they got closer, they were like, oh, my God, the smell. Oh, no. Yeah. So then they were like, maybe it's like spoiled food or some like some weird shit. Something stupid, you know? Well, then they were like, or is it a dead body? You know? Well, yeah, it was. Oh, my God. So, of course, they called the police. It was in a garbage bag because they, like, unzipped it a little bit. But the smell was just, like, putrid. And they saw it was black garbage bag and it was full. Mm. You know, like the suitcase was full. So they called the police and then there was another one (gasps) with another body in it. Oh, no. And the remains were later identified as Jessica Lewis, a 35-year-old mother of four. Oh. And her 27-year-old boyfriend, Austin Winter. And according to police, Austin died of a single gunshot while Jessica was shot multiple times. Then they were chopped up (gasps) and dumped in the suitcases. And again, it's just like pure unlucky for the killer. But again, that weird thing that these people were like, travel, it was a low tide. And so... The suitcases landed on rocks. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it was just all of this together, and... This is very, like, be careful what you wish for, because, like, you know how people say, like, if you're someone who prays, like, Mm -hmm. don't pray for patience, because then, like, you know, 2020 fucking happens, so thank all of you who prayed for fucking patience, because now we're all suffering. But you get the point. Yeah, yeah. Well, Michael Lee Dudley, 62, was the couple's landlord, and he was charged with two counts of second-degree murder. Do we know why he did it? Yeah. So, Jessica and Austin were together eight years. They had just moved into Dudley's home, and they were renting a room. Well, no one's like, said, said, but they hadn't paid some rent. And they think, like, he was angry over the unpaid rent, but also... Dudley said that they were bringing in potentially criminal activity into his house. And so he was really mad. And then he was the criminal. Yeah. So there's that. And then he chopped him up. Yeah. And put him in suitcases. But okay. Well, then there is a witness that came forward and said that she moved into Dudley's home on June 9th which was the day the medical examiner believes that they were murdered. Oh, shit. Yeah, and she said that Dudley helped her move her belongings in, and she noticed that his glasses were broken and his face was scratched. So she's like, what the hell? You know? But, like, okay. So she later told police that after she took a shower, she opened the door to her bedroom, and she just saw, like, a lot of clothes, like heaps of clothes in the middle of the floor. 
and a hand sticking out from underneath it. And What? Yeah. And so she said Dudley told her later that night he needed to, quote unquote, clean up the mess. And he was like, since I got to clean up, can I take you somewhere else? You know, like, I got to do a lot of stuff, like, whatever. And as they were leaving, she saw him laying out some large sheets of plastic in the basement. So, I don't know. That's sketch as fuck. Like, yeah. if you saw a fucking hand and they're laying out sheets of plastic, why you, like, you didn't go to the fucking police? Right. You went back and stayed there for how long if they're finding these well, things? I Well, I don't know if she went back and stayed. Well, true. But, I mean, like... But fuck. yes, if you see a hand under some clothes. And then they're rolling out fucking sheets of plastic. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, and then, so detectives got a warrant, blah, 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 blah. In the room where the couple had been staying, they found bullet holes, spent casings, and blood. What kind of house was this? Right? Well, when they were like kind of casing the neighborhood, neighbors were like, yeah, we called 911 on June 9th because we heard gunfire and yelling. Well, when the cops got there, there was no answer. And so they were like, well, this is what it looks like. So everyone kind of thought it was a hoax on TikTok because, ugh, Henry was like, so something traumatic that changed my life, found a dead body. You know, and it's like, what? But yeah, like it was real. The cops have, you know, like, I mean, obviously, like it came out after all of this that, yeah. And they had to be questioned to make sure that they didn't have anything to do with it. To be like, oh, no, we were rando nodding and just happened to find this suitcase, you know. So this one's a little different. It was posted on Reddit by Born King 2007 about 10 months ago. And they said that they lived a pretty structured life, really routine, you know. And they came upon a project and the rando not subreddit because... There is a project before, it's a whole thing. The Randonautica app is not the first thing of this. Like, it was like this whole different network of things. It was like a bot. But then this guy saw it and was like, hey, we can make this into an app and do, you know, all the things and monetize and all of that. So this person had found that whole community, Well, in that community, they kept talking about glitches in the Matrix and all of that. And so they were like, all right, like, I have my routine. If I break it at all, maybe this really will show if there's a glitch in the Matrix. Well, they said their random nodding experiences were weird, synchronicities and random occurrences. They ended up places near their work and their home that they had never been. They witnessed a random gang fight. Saw an older man fall into a ditch. Oh, God. And some other things that they normally would never witness. They would never be in that moment at that location. All the things. Well, then things just started to, like, stay with this person after they got home from their random nodding. You know, it was still that eerie feeling and they couldn't shake it. Well, then things in their life started kind of falling apart. Where... They had bad weather and a huge tree fell in front of their house, missing the house, but crushing the brand new truck. And they never park it in the driveway except this one time. And then it gets crushed. Yeah. A few days later, they're catching the bus to work because they don't have a car and they get hit by a car that's making a turn. Oh, my God. 
and the car was being driven by their boss. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right? Like, how random is that? And if you think about it, though, the reindeer nodding took them to, like, places around their place of work. Things kept going wrong. Like, their cat went missing and then turned up dead. It reminds me of that Lindsay Lohan movie, uh, Just My Luck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this user was like, okay, I got to de-stress myself. Like, shit's going wrong. So they went to go fish. Not the card game, like, actually go fish. And They fell in the pond? No. Um, a huge swarm of wasp got, like, it was a nest that got disturbed. And they ended up with 14 wasp stings. Whew, that's hard to say. All over the back of their head and neck. Not even with and within good scratching range, right? I mean, a lot more stuff happened. Like it was just everything. I mean, your your truck being wrecked, hit, getting hit by a car that was your boss, and the wasp—that's fucking enough, right? Well, then I mean, their identity was stolen. Oh shit! Yeah, I ain't fucking with this game. Like all all kinds of shit. They had two installation guys. They're like, they look kind of shady. Well, they ended up screwing up something, and they were left without power for a couple of days. And it's like, I just needed you to fix one thing, and now now this, you know? So all of this occurred within one or two months of their randonaut journey. And so the user said, here are my beliefs. Visiting a tractor and void locations definitely disturbs the matrix. It also opens you up to attract randomness. I believe I became an attractor or a void point. And I'm not sure if this is still ongoing. Sometimes it's better to stay in the matrix. We all have patterns and routines because they keep us safe and out of harm's way. Messing with the system means we are fully exposed to the randomness of the universe or any potential evil that may be out there. I felt like something was bad or evil about this whole thing, but I couldn't name it specifically. I was testing my boundaries and lost all protection. Please be careful. There are real consequences. So this one was different in, you know, like they might have found stuff. On their things, like I said, they went Mm -hmm. to different places, but this affected them afterward. Well, shit, I was thinking we have plans tomorrow until you read that story. Right? I do. I do want to do this. You know me. Um, No, I mean, like, I really did, too, until you fucking read that story. (laughs) Well, some people think that this app is linked to the dark web. And one of the things they use it for is to lure people into creepy situations where they find things like a dead body Or human trafficking. And someone posted on Reddit, Randonautica linked to the dark web? Question mark. If something is free, make no doubt that you are the product. (gasps) I was like, like, I felt that in my like core. Yes. Um, You right. It doesn't have to be about this app, but like in life, like things are not free. And if they are, it's because it's at the expense of you. Well, and when you said, like, when you said that they wanted to monetize the app, I was like, well, I guess the app costs money. I wonder how much it costs. How would they get money from that? Do they have ads? How, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, what it's free, but then there's, like, in-app purchases. So you can do, I don't remember the limit, but you can do, like, up to eight locations 
a day. But if you want to do more, you have to pay for extra, like gotcha. that kind of thing. Well, they have an FAQ on their website. And someone said, I've seen someone say this app is used for human trafficking. And I tried to research it and saw no proof. Can you clarify if this is happening? Well, okay, because they're going to be like, <laughs> yes, we are. Right. Well, what they answered was, all data collected by this app is completely anonymous. The only people with access to it is the development team. Because there are no accounts required, there's no way of knowing who generated which points. Bullshit. And they said that your starting location is also never saved by the app. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then they said, furthermore, because the locations are randomly generated and not pre-selected, like geocaching or Pokemon Go, there's no way for a predator or anyone to be waiting at these locations because they would literally just be waiting randomly hoping for, like, someone. Unless the coordinates aren't actually random. Well, yeah. And so, like, people were saying, like I mentioned, people on the dark web, if they hack into it Mm -hmm. and say, hey, anyone in Seattle, because a lot of shit happened in, like, Washington area. But if they do something, like, well, because, you know, some of those killers, like, want their shit to be found. Mm -hmm. If they want that... And if you think about it, if those kids touched any of that shit, like, I mean, obviously it was in the water, blah, 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 blah. But if they came across something, well, their fingerprints are on it. And that messes up some of the DNA. You know what I mean? Like, it just. Well, they could. They would be able to separate it. But. Like, it just can cause problems. It can cause more shit. So, who knows? Meanwhile, it's probably like, we we don't collect your starting data point. Or it's never saved on the server until you're done with, it's like asterisks until you're done with your location. You know what I mean? It probably really does save it, but they can say the your thing is never saved. And then they end the sentence when it's really like until you're on the move. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And it's like semantics of how they, they're able to get away with it. It's like a loophole. Right. So this really boils down to, do you believe in intentions and that you can influence the world around you. And I mean, if you think about it, a lot of meditation and everything is like set your intentions, focus on your intentions and like put good intentions out in the world. Well, I mean, hell, even prayer. Like if you're, if you are like a Christian, a Catholic, a Protestant, you know, something like that, either way, like you still pray. That's intentions. Right. And then, so it's like, does that influence it to where... Okay, you are going to find something spooky if I'm like, I want to find something spooky. I want, you know, like you chant that, you find it. Or is it that you're determined to find something spooky and so you make something spooky happen? Right. Because, I mean, let's just say you read 100 stories today. Well, if there's a million people using the app, it's, I mean, that's like freaking like 1%. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know that math, but. It's a very small percentage of people who are actually having these experiences. And if you listen in most of your stories, it's like, okay, they got there and they're like, I don't really see anything. So they kept walking around. Yep, exactly. So really, did they get off of that pin? Right. So I don't know. But it. I'm like, oh, I think it's both. But I think it's kind of the same thing. Your intentions and the energy you give off does affect it. Because if you're giving off like negative 
shit, like you're gonna you reap what you sow. Yeah. And then if you're like, I'm I'm never gonna be able to get up that wall. I'm never gonna be able to do it. Well, you're not. You're psyching yourself out before even doing it. You know what I mean? You're right. So it is, but does it affect the world or does it just affect you? Well, if we knew that answer, I don't know what, but we would be, <laughs> we would know it. My question is, I still don't understand how you decide between the void, the attraction, and the whatever the other one was. The anomaly. So the void is, hey, a lot of shit hadn't happened here yet, but it could be, like, it could be something for you. The attractor is lots of shit has went down in mm-hmm. this area. So a lot of people have had their intentions met, blah, 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 blah. Like, you could be next, okay? The anomaly is for, like, the hardcore people, like the ones who can really set their intentions and go forth with it. But I still don't understand how the app knows that. Like, how does it know that people's intentions have been met and it has all this energy and all of that? Like, there's no there's no fucking way. Well, because I think it relies on user feedback, too. Okay, so then the first billion people to use the app, it was all fucking shit because they were still working out the math. I don't know. It makes no sense. But also, I want to do it. (laughs) I want to do it, too. But then also, can we not go to the woods? (laughs) No. Mosquitoes live there. Right? Well, it is cooler, though, right now. Oh, wait. We should definitely do it tomorrow. Yeah. Tiffany! Load up! Shit, no. Actually, she's going to be like, I don't know how she... That sounded like Dino from fucking... (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, shaking his head or something. (laughs) (laughs) But she's going to call up and be like, get in, bitches. We going. Well, you're right that your story, like, was more thinking, but it was also way, way lighter, and we needed that. Yes. I'm so glad that I went first today. Me too. Me too. Because I didn't even think about that, like oh, I go first this week. I should do this heavy, heavy story. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was fucking, the, the app probably told me which way to do it. Probably. Whew. It It's scary to think about an app and you controlling it and then like going out into the world and it might have, like, I don't know. It's just. Because here's the thing. Everything is fucking connected to something. That app can say it's random all it fucking wants to, but Big Brother is always listening. Ads pop up after you talk about something. You've got Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and your bank. Literally everything signed in on your phone. So whether you create an account on that app or not, it's still on your phone. It's still using an IP address. It's still using something. Location services, everything on your phone to get you there. So... It's getting your shit. It may say, oh, you don't even have to sign up. So how would we know? No, it fucking knows. Yeah. It fucking knows. Everything is saved. It's, it's, there's no fucking way that it doesn't save your data. I mean, just look at Snapchat. That was supposed to be, oh, you can't see anything. Once it's gone, it's gone. No, the fuck it isn't. They just showed us all how to go into our damn settings. And you could pull up literally every picture, every conversation of every everything. Nothing goes away on the internet. So true. Ever. There's always a way to find it. There's always a way to link it. Because let's say you open something up on Chrome and you're like, I don't want to uh, sign into this. So I'm just going to just look at this website. No, 
It fucking knows because you're on your Chrome where you got shit signed in. Yeah. It fucking knows because it's on your computer. You know, like, there's no way to actually do something anonymously. Yeah. Like, you could have a fake Facebook account, but I can promise you it's going to still be linked where it's, like, people you may know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, y'all tell us what y'all think. Do you, Are y'all going to do this app? Uh, and have you done it? We want to know your experiences. Yes. If you've done it, send it in to us as a sinister sightings, and we will read that shit. Yes. Go forth and app carefully. <laughs> Don't blame us if you get uh, caught up in some damn field with some crop circles and you, you get your friend's crop dusting you. Oh, shit. Now that that would happen to and us. And then you're going to fucking fear fart. Right? But if it happens, just remember. Creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.